0: It's uh, 5 o'clock in Salford. It's Monday, June 20th, 2022. Hope you've had a lovely weekend. Thanks for finding me this Monday, uh, the first first show of a brand new week of shows. It's me, your BBG, with you till 7.
1: Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show.
2: It's the Richie Allen show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host,
0: Richie Allen. Yeah, yeah, big big story today breaking out of Oldham, which is a town in Greater Manchester. Children in Oldham were failed by the agencies meant to protect them from sexual abuse. But this is the result of a major review. An independent inquiry was set up a couple of years ago to uh, find out what was going on with grooming gangs in Oldham investigators concluded there were structural flaws in Greater Manchester police and the local authority systems which were meant to safeguard children now here's the thing they found no evidence of a cover-up I'll be joined at this hour later this hour by Raja Mia now you may remember he came on this program two years ago, two and a half years ago. He is a, an MBE and a man who has advised the successive UK prime ministers on counter-extremism. He also worked for Oldham Council and has headed up educational trusts. A couple of years ago, he told me that senior labour officials in the council in Oldham knew about child grooming and they covered it up. To protect the party's control of the local authority in oldham he's back Raja mia to talk about that report today and what it means you don't want to miss this this is uh, dynamite stuff the time Two minutes past five, you can join me, you can reach me, you can talk to me through the website richieallen.co.uk, comment live, live comment, or you can send a message through using the contact feature if you'd like. So uh, you might be in Oldham, you might be in uh, the area there, you might have something to say about this, you can do so through the website today. Welcome, welcome, Scorchio. Warm today again. It's lovely. Apparently we've got four days of this lovely 21, 22 degrees. Fantastico. That's what what we're saying. You see that number 10 Downing Street put a statement out just after lunch. Did you see that? Came as a bit of surprise to people. Um, They said the Prime Minister went under general anaesthetic this morning and he had a minor operation on his sinuses apparently. (laughs) Who did that? Who did that? Which of the producers did that? It's very unprofessional. It's got nothing to do with that whatsoever for nothing. Out, t- yeah, I'd say he's coked up to his ample tits most of the time. Smacked up to the gills, Boris Johnson. That's libel, is it, if it's untrue? I doubt he'll sue me. Anytime soon. But you never know. Smacked off his tits most days, the Prime Minister. How else do you explain him? His appearance. His inability to string together three coherent sentences in a row. It's got to be Charlie, right? It's four minutes past the hour. Drop it while you're still ahead, you ignorant baldy Baxter. Okay, I will. Let me tell you a little bit more about this story. Children in Oldham. ...were failed by the agencies meant to protect them from sexual abuse. Investigators said structural flaws in Greater Manchester Police... ...and the systems run by the local authority in Oldham... ...failed to safeguard children. Now, tellingly, as I said in the intro... ...they said there was no evidence of a cover-up. The report examined the way child sexual exploitation was tackled... ...between 2011 and 2014... ...and found that procedures were not properly followed... It investigated the alleged grooming of children in council homes, shisha bars and by taxi drivers in Oldham. They concluded, the, re- the investigators, the authors of the report, that there was no evidence of widespread child sex abuse in those settings or of a cover-up. But they did point out other serious failings. I'll tell you why I've got a problem with some of this. No cover-up stuff. I don't know that there was a cover-up. I can't say that. I haven't seen the inside of Oldham as a town for donkey's years, so I don't know. But listen to Rowan Bridge reporting on this from the BBC this afternoon. Listen carefully.
3: This is a BBC reporter summing up the report. The report was commissioned after rumours started circulating online that men of predominantly Pakistani heritage had been abusing white girls in the town of Oldham. Now, the report says there is no evidence to back up those allegations, but it did find other serious failings around how some cases of child sexual exploitation were dealt with. The most serious of those in the report involves a 12-year-old girl called Sophie who was taken from Oldham Police Station and subsequently raped by several men. Now several years later she reported the allegations to the authorities but the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened to her. Now the report also looked at 10 other cases and it found in those that the casework was generally very poor and procedures that should have been in place to protect children were not working as efficiently or effectively as they should have done. At a news conference this morning, the leader of Oldham Council and the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police police both fully accepted the report and apologised to all victims of child sexual exploitation in the town. The Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police, Stephen Watson, said, We were not there for you when you desperately needed us. But he ended with a statement, He had a message to offenders saying, if you think you've got away with this, you're wrong. We're coming for you.
0: Rowan Bridge reporting for BBC News 24. Did you catch that little bit in the middle?
3: But the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority, seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened to her. What happened to
0: Sophie? Sophie, who wasn't believed by the police in Oldham, who, Greater Manchester Police, who said that she should come back when she wasn't drinking or something along those lines she was picked up then by a group of men taken away and raped and they say the investigators the two men who wrote this report who authored it these independent guys they say there's no evidence of a cover-up Yet BBC reporter Rowan
3: Bridge says... But the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority, seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened yes, to
0: Yes, I know there's a difference. I'm not being cheap here. I know there's a difference. He isn't saying, the reporter, that they covered up child sex abuse in Oldham. I know that. I'm not being silly. I'm not being childish or immature. However, he said that they, the local authority were more concerned about covering up their previous failings on child abuse than looking after the child who claimed that she had been raped. We'll talk about this with Raja a bit later on. At uh, this hour, the time is eight minutes past five. This is serious stuff isn't it? Isn't it just serious? And do you know what's really interesting about it? BBC News 24 and Sky News have basically dropped the story. They ran it from about mid-morning this morning to till early in the afternoon, and now it's just disappeared off the, the rundown. Maybe there's nothing to that. Maybe there's so much going on, maybe, that they're cutting and pasting as they go along. This is good. Transgender swimmers will be banned from participating in women's races if they have gone through any part of the process of male puberty. Uh, FINA governs world swimming, elite swimming, competitive swimming. It plans to create an open category at swim meets for swimmers whose gender identity differs from their biological sex. Now, according to the BBC, the policy was passed with 71% of the vote from 152 FINA members. That's comprehensive, isn't it? 71% in favour. It's described as only a first step towards full inclusion... For transgender athletes. It's a 34-page policy document. It says male to female transgender athletes could compete in the women's category, but only provided they haven't experienced any part of male puberty beyond Tanner Stage 2. Tanner Stage 2 is the start of physical development or before age 12, whichever one is later. This was made at the ongoing world championships in Budapest. An extraordinary general congress was convened at the swimming championships. It means that Leah Thomas, the transgender American college swimmer, will not be uh, competing at the Olympics in the women's category any time soon, which again is no bad thing. Uh, the talk of the media this morning was this. Dr. Jane Hamlin is a trans woman uh, from the Beaumont Society. Jane Hamlin got into it with Nick Ferrari on LBC Radio. Have a listen to this.
4: It needs to be very carefully, carefully done. Um, certainly, we certainly shouldn't discriminate against anybody uh, for any reason. Now, the, the problem it does raise, though, is about the, the government's reluctance to uh, help young people who wish to take pu- puberty blockers uh, with perhaps a view to transitioning uh, later on, <clears throat> um, if they're banned from doing that, then of course, um, trans um, women won't be able to participate in sport at all,
2: will they? Well, th- I, I think, in, as regards to swimming, they're thinking that these folk would have their own individual championships made for them. What, sort of, w- we're
4: one percent of the population, so we have our own. <laughs> well, you,
2: I mean, it's whether um, it's you whether you have... think it's fair that someone, to go through what Dean Doris said again, with be- better density of bone, larger feet, larger hands, whether you think that's fair that she competes against women.
0: Good stuff. And well done to the doctor, the trans doctor, for acknowledging this point.
2: We're 1% of the population, so we have our own. Well,
0: you, <laughs> I mean, it's... Good. That's an acknowledgement of sorts, that trans women are not the same as real women isn't it we're 1% of the population ho <laughs> ho so we should have our own competition well yeah yeah you're the minority you're a tiny minority and you're not being discriminated against you have some trans athletes some it's been proven this scientifically beyond any debate right that um that the physical advantages uh look at Leah Thomas for example i think they make the point in the next uh, segment the next clip, the next audio I've got Um, 800 in the world in competing as a man and then basically the best collegiate swimmer in America when competing with with women. Anyway, to answer uh, Nick Ferrari's legitimate question, you know, should they be allowed to compete when they have bigger legs, bigger arms, stronger puberty, all of that, what does Dr Hamlin say? Um, well, as I say, it's...
2: it's well, it's a yes sporting, or no, Doctor. What do you it's think?
0: The, it's the sporting body to
4: decide. And if the sporting body uh, thinks that it's fair for people to do this, uh, that they are equivalent, and certainly many sporting bodies do think that uh, after uh, a period of time, then uh, why not? No, I, don't, I certainly don't want trans people to be accused of cheating or, or anything like that, because that, that is...
2: So you are, you are in support of this?
4: Um, I'm in support of it being fair, and if this makes it fair, then fine. Yes, I'm in favour of it. But if it's just another way of bashing trans people, then clearly, obviously, I'm I not. Don't,
2: how would it be bashing trans people? It, well. it, would, it would just make it fairer for women. I if you take the case of Leah Thomas, who was a moderate college swimmer, mm. transitions, and then is the number one in the colleges of the whole of the United States. Yeah. And that's not fair to the women against whom he was competing well, uh, yes. I mean, that's possibly true. Um, well, um, no possibly there is
4: it. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know the. I don't know. I don't mm. the individual
2: circumstances.
0: Yes. Okay. You did. Um, you did catch that, did you? Do you think Ferrari did this deliberately?
2: That's not fair to the women against whom he was competing. What? That's not fair to the women against whom he was competing.
0: He misgendered Leah Thomas. He misgendered Leah Thomas nobody else picked up on it. There was no Twitter storm as a result of that. Um, Now, uh, Joanna Harper is another trans person, an academic too and plays sport. Trans woman Joanna Harper was asked by BBC Radio 5 Live, Rick Edwards in fact, if the trans people should compete in a third category an open category as was mentioned there a moment ago by Nick Ferrari.
5: Well that could potentially work. Um, but it's not likely to, um, you know, it's, it's likely to be more of a sideshow. Uh, and it's, it's not going to have, uh, the, the number of competitors qualifying or forced to shunt to this open rather than the male or female category will likely be very small. Uh, Are they going to have Olympic medals for this open category? Um, Will there be professional swimmers in the open category? Um, You know, I I, I don't know for sure. It it might potentially work, but I I doubt that that it will be meaningful.
2: Is there a worry that uh, a separate open category might end up contributing to already existing marginalisation and, and discrimination
5: absolutely, this open category would might be thought of as as many as the freak category, and you know you're just you're shunting people, making it obvious that they're not like others, and you're putting them uh in the quote unquote freak category uh so so yeah it it, it could could absolutely do that,
0: yeah, but they're not like others, they're men who believe they're women. It's as simple as that, and nobody is a freak, and nobody's calling anyone a freak. Okay. Chris says, sad to hear that top ex-swimmer Sharon Davies has been hounded and lost sponsorship deals as a result of pointing out how wrong the whole trans issue in sport stuff is. Faisal says, Ferrari misgendered Leah Thomas. Oh my God, everybody panic. Scottish John says, I was doing the butterfly stroke and I accidentally slapped a girl on the face. I switched to the best breast and she slapped me. Says John. Patricia says world swimming bans transgender swimmers from women's races. As a former competitive swimmer myself, says Patricia, my response to it is this. Good. The body of a male is different from a female. Calling yourself a female doesn't change basic anatomy. Anyone who hasn't realised that is delusional. Thank you. Hi to, to, to Pandora. Hi to Alan. Ian says racism is a problem in the police. In that... They'll ignore the most heinous of crimes to avoid being called racist. That's Ian's opinion. Thank you for that, Ian. Hi to Colin. How you doing, Colin? Hi to David. Hi to Teacup. Okay. Who asked a question earlier on about the 7th of July bombings. Talked a lot about the 7th of July bombings on this programme and others over the years. Uh, Maybe another time. We'll get into it again. Maybe this forthcoming anniversary maybe we'll get into it again now in ireland in ireland a leading think tank has claimed that lockdowns have scarred children that's the claim scarred that's a quote This is the Economic and Social Research Institute, or ESRI. It says the scale of mental health difficulties among young adults, particularly young women, is of significant concern to it. So the Irish broadcaster RTE has been reporting on this. 55% of women and 40% of men aged 22 were classified as depressed. So it studied or surveyed several thousand people. More than half of women said they were depressed 40 percent of men Uh, those figures higher when compared with two years previously when only 22 percent of men and 31 percent of women were depressed so they go on the report goes on to talk about the impact of lockdown of losing jobs of not being able to socialize with people and all the stuff we talk about on on this program and uh they say as i said i quoted it earlier on That it is scarring. It has a scarring effect on some groups of young adults. Now, on talk radio today, Julia Hartley Brewer had Molly Kingsley and Liz Cole on. They're from a group called Us For Them. In fact, one of those women or somebody working with one of those women was on this programme um, a year or so ago talking about this. I'm sure I've had Us For Them on the programme Now, us for them is a group of parents and medical experts who have campaigned against school closures, against masks in the classroom and against lockdown in general. Molly Kingsley and Liz Cole have got a book coming out which deals with the effect of lockdown on kids and it says it should never happen again. They told Julia Hartley Brewer this morning that SAGE, uh, the group of scientists which advised the government on the COVID response, that SAGE knew the lockdowns would in fact harm children. Have a listen.
1: That you you found out as part of the research for your book.
0: This is Brewer now. This is the presenter kicking off.
1: That you you found out as part of the research for your book. Um, I'll come back to you Liz. Um, that SAGE had looked into this, and I remember vividly those press conferences uh, with the, the Chief Medical Officer and the Chief Scientific Advisor um, and and Valance, and, and they were very clear about how we did not need to close schools. Schools were closed because the teaching unions demanded they were closed and terrified parents went, oh, my child's not safe at school. Children were always safe from COVID and always safe in school. But SAGE actually looked at the damage really early on to the kids and they identified it really early on. But we're only finding out about it now. In a- April 2020, there was an annex um, report which which predicted so many of the harms, um, which, quite frankly, were also predictable to anyone with any intuitive sense. Um, yes, also, exactly. and what, what did the Sage paper say? That this, these are the experts advising the government, and they look at a month into lockdown. They're going, "This is what's already happening." Yeah. I d- they identified the risks that we know to safeguarding um, to educational attainment um, and obviously as well to mental health for children yeah. which is as we now know obviously have all become all too yeah. clear because we all talk now and I'm amazed the media now go oh isn't it terrible these children have got mental health problems really no <clears throat> Sherlock I mean you know we, we were talking about this really early on weren't we but also things like we um, you know that child abuse increasing because people stuck in these homes in these difficult situations, children having no escape, no one to see the bruises and say, this child needs rescuing. But see, they knew this. But why Why was this not publicised in April 2020? So I think it speaks volumes that this particular paper was an annex to a stage document. This was just something on the side. And on the side, the minutes of the meeting don't, they suggest that it wasn't even talked about so children were 11 million uh, children 11 million children and what this paper showed is that the safeguarding regime for those children had failed so government had said you know you might remember vulnerable children should be in school yeah. we knew in april 2020 that those children 94 percent of those children were not in school and also the children who were who weren't vulnerable had become vulnerable everyone yeah. i know everyone listening and watching this will know a child that was perfectly fine and no yeah. longer is yeah. petrified, they're unhealthier, the self-harm, the attempt to suicide, the eating disorders, they've all gone on. And of course, children now sit backward. Babies have only ever seen adults in masks not learning mm. how to speak properly.
0: Not learning how to speak properly. Julia Hartley Brewer there. And us for them, Molly Kingsley and Liz Cole, 22 minutes past the hour. Let me read some more of your comments before I move on. Remember, Raja Mia will be live on the programme really soon. You do not want to miss this. We're going to be talking about a major new report into the failing uh, or the failure of the police in Greater Manchester and the local authority in Oldham to protect children from child rapists, effectively. Raja was on this programme two and a half years ago, saying that in his opinion, and he backed it up um, with a lot of what he believed to be empirical evidence, he said that in his opinion, it was being covered up by a Labour-run council to shore up the Asian vote in Oldham. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes' time. Comment live on the programme by going to comment live on the website. It's at the very top of the page. It is a Monday's Richie Allen show. Allen says, surprise, surprise, it's like the mainstream media is catching up with those so-called tin file hat-wearing uh, bods, says Allen. That's... Re- in reference, of course, to what Brewer was saying about the damage of of lockdown. David Keane says, Julia Hartley Brewer is BBC Light. He says there, Faisal, thanks for the link to the ad on, not the ad, the Irish Times article on depression rates soaring amongst young adults during the so-called pandemic. Of course, there was never really a pandemic, a uh, scamdemic, more more, more like it. Martin says, I've got no problem calling a freak a freak because there are two sexes. Anything else is a pharmaceutical freak? No, it's not, Martin. Gender dysphoria is a real thing. And I, I, I've met one or two people over the years, you know, including in, in my second incarnation in Manchester, you know, have had gender identity issues. These are human beings, mostly. The majority of them are good people who want to get along to go along or go along to get along. And they don't support these silly ideas of uh, speaking to children about these issues in primary schools or or, or Leah, Leah Thomas competing against women or the cyclist competing against women. The majority, it's, it's the minority. The minority are a massive big pain in the arse but they're not freaks and you know that. Let's... Uh, you know and it, yeah you're entitled to say that of course free speech free speech but I don't agree with you I I know I'm going to be called a hypocrite because in monologues of yore to raise a laugh I've I've used language that you might think is unbecoming but um that's my genuine stance on it thanks for the comment john says that the germans are considering implementing a general obligation to wear masks from october uh, 2022 until Easter 2023, but not just this October till next Easter every year. They're calling it the O to O rule: October to Ostern. Thanks for that, John. Yes, and you know there's been calls in Ireland from various scientists or alleged scientists to uh, introduce mask wearing on public transport and in public places now because of some mystical summer spike in COVID. Talked a little bit about that on Sunday Morning Melodies yesterday. Climate change in a nutshell. Says uh, Colin, a world where people believe that the temperature of the planet can be controlled by giving more money to the government. Not just more money, of course, mate. More freedom as well. More control to the government over what you can do. What you can eat. When you can eat it. Where you can travel. Chris says, this sounds like Bill Feckengates gates talking about it. Okay, it's 26 minutes past uh, 5 o'clock. Now, where was I? This interested me today. Woe in the NHS. If you do read the tabloids or the broadsheets or both, you will have seen a number of stories, very recent stories, claiming that the NHS is squandering millions. That's not new. It squanders millions pretty much ever since Moses was in short trousers. Uh, It squanders millions, but on um, issuing guidance to its thousands and thousands of employees on inclusivity and diversity. Thousands. And that number of reports have come out recently saying that this is leading to the neglect of the thing that it's meant to be doing. That's treating people and providing treatment for patients. Wokery. Now... According to uh, various reports today, the NHS has decided to reinstate the word women into its guidance. It's changed the wording of some guidance online after being criticised. The NHS was criticised for describing women who have suffered a miscarriage as pregnant people. Bit of a backlash there. So they've included, they've gone in, they've done a bit of editing online. And they've put the word women back in one or two places, but not in every place, apparently. Wrote about this on RichieAllen.co.uk today. Now, let's go back to the Julia Hartley Brewer Show, just for a moment, on the same programme, today's programme. She had a London-based journalist on called Charlie Peters, and he was talking about this NHS wokery and the consequences of the NHS focusing so much on inclusivity and diversity and how it's actually having negative, a negative impact on its ability to care for its patients. Uh, Charlie Peters on Julia Hartley Brewer. On
6: that second report you just mentioned about the NHS review, we actually found that it mentions the words equality, diversity and inclusion more than the word patience. <laughs>
1: You're fun- kidding me.
6: No, no absolutely not and the tories you know despite having all the power they could possibly want with a massive majority are still at the mercy of lefty campaigners inside government and Whitehall who push all this stuff through. And that's, always... the,
1: that's the bit I think a lot of us don't get is we we thought you know when they were elected in 2019 that Boris Johnson was very sort of anti uh, you know wokey he'd written all these articles in the Daily Telegraph and, and we, we thought we knew where he stood on things like that um, and 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 we thought you know it was a conservative government that wouldn't sort of give in to a lot of this madness and we've effectively elected the far left in terms of a lot of uh, a lot of the policies and again you know Stonewall basically deciding you know which everything in the civil service and 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 this does ha- actually it does have an impact if you're more concerned about whether you know kids are learning about gender identity or or you've got inclusion whatever the hell that means rather than worrying about patients being alive at the end of the day you, you are not doing your job properly
6: well I think the key word there that I can pick out is the the term elected well no one elected Stonewall nobody elected these charities and the members of the civil service who push this stuff through. And either the Conservatives are ignorant of this or they're aware but willfully uh, negligent. Yeah. But there is a whole host of legal structures that mean that wokery has to happen. We have laws like the Equality Act yeah. and the public sector equality duty that mean that you have to have an obsession with equality.
0: You have to have an obsession with equality, diversity and inclusion, says Charlie Peters. The time is 29 And a half minutes past five, you might have been expecting me, I suppose, depending on where you are, to talk a little bit about rail strikes tomorrow and the impact those strikes are going to have on people. I'm a trade unionist to my bone marrow. I obviously support the right, the democratic right of any worker or group of workers to strike to um, improve their terms and conditions and the quality of their working life. So, of course, I support the right to do it. Um, I've been listening to it just as much as you've been listening to it, I suppose. But a part of me believes I I can't say no's. I've got to learn not to say no. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm asking you all the time to say that it could be argued. Sometimes I don't take my own advice. It's my opinion that these issues, these, I mean, this is going to cause absolute carnage for people. These rail strikes. The RMT going on strike and its impact on people's ability to go to work and to get around massive massive problems for people and a part of me thinks every time something like this happens it uh, you know i believe i believe i can't prove but i've believed this for many years that this is part of another agenda really you know what what you could refer to childishly as the destruction and Well, originally the destruction of everything agenda, but the other agenda, the other agenda to keep people angry, to keep people enraged, fighting amongst one another, to make life unbearable. And I know it's far-fetched for some when they hear that that, you know, that I believe that there exists such a level of manipulation, that there are people trying to manipulate our moods, play with our minds, drive us around the bend. But I really do believe that's going on. I'm not saying that the workers are not genuine. I believe they are genuine, right? But the people pulling the strings in the shadows maybe could. I mean, we know they could. We know how money's created. They could give these people what they want, you know, a fair pay rise. But by not doing that, they drive people around the bend, don't they? They also want to get people used to not being able to travel on public transport when they want to travel on public transport. It's the climate change agenda, in my opinion, that we talk about quite often on on this programme. So if you're going to be affected by this, no doubt you'll be screaming bloody murder and abuse at the rail staff and you'll be talking about how engineers or drivers get paid £59,000 a year but the cost of living, particularly in London, and Dan staff, it's horrendous. Listen, I was in London in 2013, me and El Frago tremendo. It's no joke. We were paying £1,400 a month for a box apartment in London in 2013. We had nothing left at the end of the month. Nothing. Absolutely zero. Nothing to go out for a night out with. Nothing to go up the West End, not that I'm into the musicals, but even to go to see a play, nothing. It was horrendous. We couldn't wait to get out of it in the end and come up here. So I support the the, the workers' right to ballot, to be balloted, for the members to be balloted by the union and for them to say, yeah, enough's enough now, we're going to go on strike. It'll piss people right off. We talked about them doing what the Japanese did, which was to work but not to charge. But that was easy for the Japanese many years ago. It's not easy for the British railway workers to do that. Why? Well, because there isn't any money changing hands anymore. That's why. It would be very easy back in the old days for rail workers to say, right, we won't inconvenience the people. We will drive the trains up and down the country. But as our way of protesting against our bosses, who we believe are not treating us fairly, we won't take any cash That'll hit them in the pocket, but it won't inconvenience Josephine Bloggs and Joe who need to get to Cleethorpes tomorrow because they've just bought a candy floss shop and they need to be there to open it. So yeah, of course I support the workers. Trade Unionist for life always will be. Always was, always will be. Your comments to richieallen.co.uk. Comment live, please. Have your say. I know you'll be hugely in. Interested in what Raja Mia has to say about the goings-on in Oldham. Do not miss that. Dave asks me, when are you going to make an honest woman of El Frango? Maybe I did, Dave. Maybe it's part of the public image of the BBG. (laughs) Third person references. No, I don't do that. Maybe I have married her. And we just carry on. No, no, we haven't. Um, We haven't at all. Alan says strike action isn't an easy decision for any workforce to make. Bear in mind when you're on strike, you're not getting paid. Members of unions only take the decision if there's no other choice. I support it. I just do not trust the main unions anymore. Neither do I, Alan. And the reason I didn't open up that can of worms is because I would be here all day. I don't have any time for them either. That sounds very contradictory. No, it isn't. I am a trade unionist. I don't like what's happened to unions. And I don't like most of the people running them. At the top, narcissistic, fame-hungry people. Do you find that? Narcissistic, fame-hungry people who love the limelight. Eddie Dempsey. Look at that cretin. The deputy leader of the RMT. I should say the deputy secretary or the... How do they refer to these people? I don't like these people. They get very fond of themselves, don't they? Like everybody these days. Get very fond of themselves. Give Shine a torch on anybody these days. Just a little bit. They get very fond of themselves, don't they? Get very wrapped up in themselves and their own identity and their own image. You see it all the time. There's now about 500,000 YouTube channels and podcasts of people who never would have gotten a job in broadcasting, ever, Because they don't have the talent, the ability. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't have the talent to be a football player. I don't have the talent to be a painter and decorator, which is a brilliant thing. I'd love to be able to do something like that. Nothing wrong wrong with not having the talent to, um, you know, not having the ability to produce, edit and present quality content. But that doesn't stop the millions of people who have podcasts now. Because it's all about the little whiff of fame for so many. So wrapped up in ourselves these days, people, aren't we? That's just my opinion. It is uh, 5.37. Going to take a tune, and then it's Rajamiah live from, I think, from Oldham or near Oldham, in any case, to talk about that report, which was published this morning which said that children were failed in Oldham by Greater Manchester Police and by the local authority. The report also said there is no evidence of a cover-up. Rajah doesn't believe that. We'll have him on. By the way, two and a half years ago when he came on this programme, I sent a copy of the programme to everyone who was on Oldham local authority, every councillor at that time, with an invitation to respond to the things he said to you and to me but I never had a single response I was amazed by that I can't remember how many councillors are on the council I can't remember whether it's 16 or 18 or 12 but every one of them got an invite including the mayor uh, including the local MPs but none of them took up my offer of coming on to refute the allegations that were made on the show Music and then Rajamiah. <laughs> This is the Lightning Seeds and Change on your Richie Allen Show, which is live from Salford. It always is. Back in three with my guest today.
6: The world is full of food.
0: The Lightning Seeds and Change on the Richie Allen Show. It's uh, 19 minutes to the top of the air. Monday, January 20th, it's a Scorchio Tremendo. In the northwest of the UK, glorious weather for the next few days. That's uh, the good tidings. Before we welcome Raja back to the programme, let me play you this from the BBC this afternoon. Again, do comment through the website RichieAllen.co.uk. it's comment live on the menu bar this from bbc news 24 this afternoon now here
4: there were serious failings in oldham by the authorities who are meant to protect children from grooming and sexual exploitation that's according to a report into historical of- offences in the town between two thousand and eleven and fourteen greater manchester police and oldham council have both offered apologies for the way they let down and failed to protect a number of children. But the report found no evidence of a
3: cover-up.
0: No evidence of a cover-up. Here's BBC reporter Rowan Bridge from Oldham today.
3: The report was commissioned after rumours started circulating online that men of predominantly Pakistani heritage had been abusing white girls in the town of Oldham. Now, the report says there is no evidence to back up those allegations, but it did find other serious failings around how some cases of child sexual exploitation were dealt with. The most serious of those in the report involves a 12-year-old girl called Sophie, who was taken from Oldham Police Station and subsequently raped by several men. Now, several years later, she reported the allegations to the authorities, but the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority, seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened to her. Now, the report also looked at 10 other cases and it found in those that the casework was generally very poor and procedures that should have be been in place to protect children were not working as efficiently or effectively as they should have done. At a news conference this morning, the older of, leader of Oldham Council and the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police, police both fully accepted the report and apologised to all victims of child sexual exploitation in the town. The Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police, Stephen Watson, said, We were not there for you when you desperately needed us. But he ended with a statement. He had a message to offenders saying, if you think you've got away with this, you're wrong. We're coming for you.
0: Something about that report doesn't sit too well with me. I mentioned this earlier on. So the BBC reporter has read the report. He mentions that the authors of the report have said that there is no evidence that the local authority covered up the abuse. But then he goes on to say this, and this bothers me. But
3: the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority, seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened to her.
0: More concerned about covering up their previous failings. Raja Mia has briefed successive UK Prime Ministers and Home Secretaries On counter-extremism, he was given an MBE for his services. He worked for Oldham Council at one time and he's headed up educational trusts as well. We met about two and a half years ago when he began writing a series of articles or he had written a series of articles on a website called recusant-9.com and in those articles he claimed that senior officials in the council in Oldham, controlled by the Labour Party, that senior officials knew about it and covered up child grooming by Asian gangs, he said predominantly to protect the party's control of old and let's welcome back to the programme Raja Mia. Raja, you're very welcome back. How are you?
7: I'm well thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you on. Before we get into all of this before we get into the claims in the report about cover ups and all of that, just by the very nature of the fact that there is a report For people listening in Oldham, are children in Oldham a little bit safer today than they were yesterday?
7: No, Uh, and uh, let me share with you why. Just prior to this report being released, the last council, the last public council meeting that was held, April, the leader of the council at the time was a lady called Arud Shah. Arud Shah was asked a very specific question via the public questions, to do with the grooming, uh, cover up of the grooming and gang rape of children. She was forced to admit that it had happened, that the council had covered it up. So, you know, this this contradiction that you, you pick up, it, she will move into later. But what she also t- made reference to, and it was in black and white, it is still happening today. She was forced to admit it was still happening today.
0: Can you quote some? Can can you give me a quote from this woman? Like you said, she admitted that is that it was covered up. Is that in black and white? Did she say it's it in black in so and white it's on video?
7: It's it, it, the council meetings are streamed live. And who did and she then, say
0: covered it up, Raja? Who did she say covered it up?
7: Well, it was it was the council. I mean, we, you know, we are very council. very sorry. Because the question the question that was asked was specifically to do with the cover up of the grooming and gang rape of children the question asked by a member of the public was specific to the grooming and gang rape of children.
0: So she took responsibility on behalf of the local authority. Yeah, and,
7: and you know, I'm not a number one fan by any means, and she, we, we campaigned and defeated her in the election in May. But what's the contradiction here, Richie, and I think it's important to pick up on this. In 2019, when you and I first spoke, we forced, we, the people of the town, forced this investigation this assurance review we forced it and at the time i made four very specific allegations scandals i called them you know i i found the evidence and i made reference to them. one white working class girls in my town were taken from school gates groomed gang raped and then sold and the council knew about this the council claimed this was barefaced lies the leader of the council at the time was a man called sean fielding he stood up in the council chamber and claimed this was barefaced lies. The next uh, revelation, uh, you know, the issue I raised was that Oldham Council and Greater Manchester Police failed the victims and covered up for their actions. You've just heard the quote there yourself. So that's confirmed. The next one I raised was that Jim McMahon, the MP, who was at the time leader of the council, and this is the bit they're trying to say is is is, you know, wasn't covered up, helped cover up CSE for fear of community relations. I released an email of his correspondence with the BBC to confirm that. And he was assisted in this by by the mainstream media, including the BBC. And there's an email clearly showing that. And the last issue I raised, the concern I raised, was that the ringleader of the Rochdale Grooming Gang, a man called Shabir Ahmed, Richard, known as Daddy, infamous now everywhere, Daddy worked for Oldham Council and the council covered this up so there are four issues are raised three of them they're now admitting to and the fourth one that they're saying what is no evidence of a cover up isn't that they did it. what they're saying is yes we covered up the grooming and gang rape of children but we didn't cover it up for political reasons that is that is the nuance of you know of 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 what you know what where we currently at and that that was the yeah. central
0: that was that was the big thing. I mean, there's some there's so much in this. But when we spoke two and a half years ago, that was the thing that shocked a lot of people who went on to read your blog, would be that they could be so callous, that they could be so cold and calculating that they could know that this was happening, but because they didn't want to fall offside with British Muslims in the area that they did nothing about it. They turned a blind eye to it. Raja, Mia, is our guest. Look, um, I'm not challenging Raja on the email a claim that he made between the BBC journalist and, um, uh, the, the remind me, McMahon. McMahon, Jim McMahon, McMahon. Jim McMahon, 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 be McMahon Captain Captain yeah, Captain. Yeah. Because that's true. That's all in the public domain. What, what, what about those who say that these matters are matters for the police? When, when we spoke two and a half years ago, I was deluged by emails from two groups of people. One group of people who support you who said, brilliant, Richie, brilliant, brilliant, and then you're brilliant. Like, Richie, Richie's brilliant because he interviewed Raja. And then I had another group of people who emailed me and said that I was rubbish, that I didn't challenge you hard enough and that I didn't put to you specifically. Isn't the rape of children the responsibility of the police and not elected politicians? Like, like, don't the police and and, and it's a fair point that people have made to me, Raja, it's the police's job to take, re- to take seriously claims of grooming and sexual abuse and that they should bear the brunt of the criticism here. What do you say?
7: The, the services to these children are delivered in the main by, by a multi-agency partnership. That multi-agency partnership involves the police, it involves the council, but the day-to-day interactions are with social workers who are employed by the local authority. Secondly, in the context of this what's specifically gone on in Oldham, what's specifically gone on in Rochdale, is the politicians in these towns manoeuvred, and they did, they manoeuvred to manipulate the situation and make light of this or brush this away. And of course the police, Richie, of course the police are culpable. As you can see, the police are culpable here. But since you and I last spoke, the findings of Operation Augusta came out in Manchester, and in that, buried in that, is the admission That the police ignored, were instructed to ignore, and this isn't me making it up, it's in that report, the police were instructed, police officers were instructed to ignore 97 members of a grooming gang because they were Asian and to go away and find white perpetrators instead. So, of course, the police are to blame, but the police on their own are not to blame. And this is, in towns like ours, this is very political because the police are scared of upsetting the Asian community or being deemed as racist. And there are those in our communities who have weaponized race and have weaponized weaponized race for the last two decades in such a way where... Within those margins, criminals, paedophiles, child rapists uh, are making hay for want of a better term, Richard. The the the
0: authors of the report, Malcolm Newsom, is um, you know, somebody who has uh, won a lot of praise for 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 his work in childcare, and you have Gary Ridgway. These are the two guys who wrote the report. He's a former detective superintendent. These guys say on their honour, on on, on, on on oath, they say, look, we're independent. We have nothing to do with the local authority or the police in Greater Manchester. They said they, they go along with a, a lot of what you say, that the failure to protect was there. Um, people being more concerned about covering their own backsides than doing the right thing was there. But they said two key things that, that contradict you, Raja. They say that they found no evidence of a cover-up by the authorities and no evidence of widespread child sex abuse in council homes, in shisha bars or by tax, taxi drivers. Abuse happens, they say, but it's not as endemic as you said and they couldn't find evidence of a you know, collusion between the authorities to cover it up. Okay, are, well, two, two things. On are now. they lying?
7: first of all the, the terms of reference richie was restricted to three years yeah so the terms of reference was restricted to a very narrow period in time at the time when they went looking for evidence richie and you've got to read the terms of reference and all of the you know the minutiae of the reports and the and the council documents at the time the council were responsible for, for providing these two investigators, with what they could and could not look at. So the very same council who were being investigated were the ones responsible for identifying what these people could look at. Secondly, I have spoken to victims and their families directly, Richie. Victims and their families refused to give evidence because they'd been intimidated. They received letters from the council asking them to come forward and provide evidence, Richie. And those letters, bear in mind these are victims, had been groomed and gang raped, they received letters from the council asking them to come forward and give evidence and those letters didn't even have a named contact on them, didn't have a phone number on them, it was just some generic council phone number and they weren't even signed. And at the same time, at the exact same time, victims and the families were receiving these letters, Richie, the local newspaper headlined with an allegation from the then leader of the council, Sean Fielding, who called victims and their families liars. When people spoke out, Richie, when members of the public or other witnesses spoke out about what was going on, the leader of the council used his capacity, his formal capacity as the leader, using letter-headed council paper to identi- and council resources to identify individuals who were causing issues for him, wrote to their employers and attempted to have them sacked and indeed did get a number of people sacked from their jobs this is the level of intimidation that has been going on in in the background with with all of this
0: but sean, sean fielding from what i could gather through my own research and i I'm, I'm alone i don't have producers and editors but he disputes all of this
7: he 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 says he didn't call anybody no, it, it, it was proven. It was proven. The, the, there's there's let, there's uh, there's correspondence afterwards, confirmation from Oldham Council, a uh, former retired chief detective, super uh, guy called uh, Pete Jackson. I don't know if you know Pete Jackson. He he got, uses the whistleblower uh, at UK on Twitter. Pete Jackson had confirmed dragged out of out of the council a woman called Jane Barker. Jane works at Manchester University. She was one of them who he went after, tried to get her sacked, confirmed that the Standards Committee and the council found he had a case to answer. He did use his official capacity as leader of the council to contact people's employees attempting to have them sacked. I have these letters. I have copies of these letters. I have copies of the letters sent to victims. Asking them to give evidence. Have you posted
0: Not, the? Have you posted this stuff on your blog?
7: Yeah, yeah, we've we've done all of this. We we've had copies of all of this, and there is a victim got in touch with me last week, Richie. And let me share this with you, please, to just to demonstrate how much of a cover up this is in terms of what Newsom and Ridgeway have done. A victim got in touch with me last week. She's in her mid twenties. She sent me the letters. The police contacted her, found somehow found her, contacted her, and came to visit her. She's used as a case study in this report. She was never given the opportunity to testify. She was never what they re- wrote about her, she said, does not accurately reflect what happened to her, and off they went. This from the beginning has been, it's just been a series of one dodgy decisions after another. Richie, when you take testimony from witnesses, when you take testimony from victims, they didn't even record the testimonies. They handwrote selective notes, wrote them up as they saw fit and put them in front of witnesses and victims to sign off. The main witness in all of this, the main witness in all of this that exposed this, and it's again a matter of public record, is a former, former counsellor called Hugh E. MacDonald. Hugh E. MacDonald. Hugh gave evidence and has refused to sign off his testimony, has been effectively whitewashed out of this report. Hugh E. MacDonald r- initially raised these concerns with the director of something called Connections, which was the main children's services sort of uh, service provider in the town. Huey MacDonald raised his concerns because he was in charge of children's services. He was the councillor accountable for children's services. He raised his concerns and the leader of the council at the time, Jim McMahon, effectively sacked Huey MacDonald and the person that replaced Huey MacDonald is the current leader of the council, Amanda Chaddington. This is so rotten on so many levels, Richie. It's, it's it's unprecedented. Can we stay with
0: Sean Fielding for a moment? Because he, he says, as far as I can understand, I mean, the thing I noted about Sean Fielding was how young he was, you know, to be council leader. I'm not sure he's the, the youngest I've ever come across, but pretty young, and I would have thought pretty experienced. He absolutely stands by everything he's ever said, even though he's he doesn't hold that position anymore. He's lost his position on the local authorities. Obviously, he's lost his position. He he, he says, that not only is none of this true, but you've not been able to offer a shred of evidence. You and others now, it must be said, to show that he was aware that there was endemic child grooming going on in Oldham. Let alone that he knew this was going on and that he covered it up. He says it's absolutely not true, and that you've that you don't have any proof. You and others, and just to be absolutely fair, we're speaking with Raja Mia, MBE here, a um, former adviser to the government on counter extremism. Raja um, kind of effectively through the the internet blew the whistle on 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 what he believes to be. A huge cover-up amongst the police and local authorities in Oldham to cover up child grooming gangs, to protect Labour Party, the Labour Party's control of Oldham. Now, you'll, you'll understand, I have to be fair to everybody concerned, Raja, it, it has been claimed that you, having worked at two educational trusts, um, that for one reason or another, I don't know, those educational trusts were closed down or they failed, and you were part of those educational trusts and they say that because it was decreed that you shouldn't be allowed to work with an educational trust again, that this is a revenge mission by you and others, to try and pin this stuff, not that it isn't happening or it hasn't happened, but to pin it on people by some way of getting revenge uh, because of these educational trusts failing and because of their decision to exclude you from operating an educational trust in the future. Now, I know you've, this has probably been, been put to you before, but I've got to put it to you again. What do you say to that accusation on their what behalf?
7: Well, it's straightforward, Richard. One is, I, contrary to what's been claimed, there is no ban on me from working in, in an educational trust whatsoever. That's been clarified from the, by the government. This was just, you know, it's just another one of those stories that these politicians have spread. But fundamentally, Richard, prior to that, all of these revelations, these issues I was raising prior to that, I have a 25-year track record of working with children and young people Richie it's a simple fact I have a 25 year track record of working with children and young people i stumbled across this not because i wanted this i came back to my hometown to tend for my terminally ill mother she's got cancer and i have a young daughter in the town that i wanted to see grow up so that's why i came back to the town and when i came back to the town richie almost immediately from my local bangladeshi community uh Wife of a friend of mine contacted me because the chairman of the mosque, Richard, was a convicted sex offender and she was deeply concerned that he would have access to her children. I offered to do the best I could do, raised it with the local authority. One thing led to another. The council refused to uh, intervene, even though they've got a statutory duty to do so. And we launched an online campaign. We got rid of him as the chairman of the mosque, it transpired that the mosque had been specifically named as a centre for postal vote harvesting, and the committee members of that mosque were all but one, were Labour Party members, and the chairman himself was a former Labour Party candidate. As a consequence of that, a man called Warren Bates, a former councillor, contacted me, asked me to go and see him. I still remember the day I went and saw him, Richie. It was the day I dropped my child off for a first day in school and at half past nine I was sat in a house in Failsworth, being offered either water or beer by a very eccentric man. And then when I asked for coffee, he refused and brought me a glass of water and he put in front of me a dossier. That dossier is what's been released. One thing led to another. There's in a, a councillor called Huey MacDonald. Huey and I know each other from a stint I did in Oldham, working for something like five or six years for an organization called the children's society i went to see who in mcdonald and i put this information out and at the time when this happened why would i put myself at risk richie because the consequences of what i've done richie is i'm currently on bail by the police the police have hammered down my door i've been dragged through the courts Cases against me have collapsed already because they've falsified evidence or they've not presented any evidence. Everything horrific you can imagine. Yeah, they I've accused had to
0: they accused you of vandalising a car belonging to one of the MPs,
7: didn't they? They accused me of blowing up Arud Shah's car. The you know who, when she was leader of the council, Jim McMahon went to the media as the this is the MP and they accused me of blowing up a car. Mate. And you didn't blow up anybody's car. <laughs> Mate, I wouldn't even know where to start, but this is where it gets very strange, Richard. I got an email sent to me from some old friends of mine in Glodick. Glodick is a predominantly Pakistani community with CCTV footage of the car being blown up with yeah, the message, yeah. Raja, you will need this. I had no idea what it was going on about when I looked at this, the message, Raja, you will need this. The car being blown up, Richard, was... Arud Shah's car, the door was left unlocked, the two lads who light it up, then remember to smash the window afterwards
0: so it was a set up job I saw the video
7: Yeah, yeah it's a set up job and it's been a year Richie, so let's put this in context it's been a year and it's a, it's a year this month and the police have yet to charge anyone or convict anyone, it's all gone very quiet after that video was released Richie It all went quiet and I'm thankful to whoever it was, because I don't know who it was. I'm thankful to whoever it was that shared that video with me because I've done what I've continued to do what I've done from the beginning, which is use social media to share my information. And I put that video out and I asked people to make their own mind up. The police were forced to confirm the police hadn't released this video, Richie. The most senior politician in this town gets her car blown up. Right? Why and the police of the CCTV footage, why was it not released, Richard? The 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 absolute
0: The horrible implications of, of the video not being dropped in your lap is that you might have been tried and convicted for attempting to blow somebody up
7: and that would mean you'd never see the outside, you'd never see daylight again. That's what I, I genuinely believe, that is what was attempted. And for that to be attempted, I'm sorry, Richie, but the police have got to have been complicit. And let, since we last spoke, Richie... I know you can we, complain the police. C-c-c- listen, before we get into that, let me,
0: people's heads are spinning, right? Let me do a very quick summary it, it, It's up here.
7: something out of a...
0: It's like, it's like
7: something out of, out of some an, crazy of a movie, Richie.
0: Yeah, well, when we spoke two and a half years ago, my head was spinning. I mean, I must have stopped you about 500 times during that conversation to ask you to repeat something. And then I was writing it down and then I had to keep banging on that there was no other sign to answer any of these claims. And it's the same tonight. And back then I did email every one of them, you know, a copy of the interview and asked them for some response. I never got any response. Let me do a quick summing up. A report was released today that acknowledged that there were serious failings in protecting children and Oldham. Um, that child sex abuse victims were failed by the police and by the council. This was an independent report. The Raja disputes this, but I'm saying that's what they're saying. It's an independent report by Malcolm Newsom and Gary Ridgway. So they said, look, this is not good, it's terrible really. And they mentioned Sophie's case. Child child sexual exploitation is a terrible thing. Blah, blah, blah. People were failed. There has to be a review. But they say there's no evidence there was any cover up. That's what they say. Now, two and a half years ago, Raja Mia, MBE, came on this program and he said that this is far more serious than anybody understands. That the grooming is well known to politicians. And to the police in Oldham, but that it is being ignored in order to protect the party's control of Oldham and that some uh, senior police officers are worried when you think of political correctness. They don't want to be seen to be um, victimising Muslims in in Oldham. Those are the claims made by Raja at the time. He went into it in great detail last time he was on. And last time he was on too, he said something, you said something which you kind of touched on today. And again, this kind of makes it like, it's like a a mob story, this. You've said that vote rigging has been going on, whereby whereby somebody would, would register somebody to vote or somebody who doesn't have any interest to vote. Maybe some members of the Muslim community, maybe older men and women who don't have any interest in voting. But some parties, criminal gangs, would take their polling cards or set them up to, be, uh, re- to receive a polling card and they would then take those polling cards to, to commit fraud and go and vote on their behalf. You said this was going on and it's still going on.
7: Richie, the Electoral Commission, the Electoral Commission agree with me. The government agree with me because the government have changed the law and have now introduced identification when you go to vote. Okay, so that, in terms of the voter impersonation element, that's been dealt with or is being dealt with because the the government have changed the law after the Electoral Commission raised it. And they raised 16 areas and all 16 areas are predominantly Labour and predominantly of, you know, with significant Muslim Pakistani Bangladeshi communities. So this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's backed up by the Electoral Commission and the government have changed the law as a consequence. What they haven't touched is something called postal vote fraud. You know, and, and that there are a number of cases across across the country of postal vote fraud. And Postal fraud has has, you know, the consistencies there, again, are in the comu- de- demographics of the communities where it takes place and the demographics of those who have been convicted of it. What are the but demographics, we, Raja, in older? They're predominantly Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Muslims, Labour voting areas. Are, th- are are those areas predominantly populated by Muslim um, people and not by white people? Is that right? W- well, the, the, the vote vote uh, the block vote as i reference it and again this has been proven by independent research something like 90 percent of people of my background bangladeshi pakistani muslim background vote labor the, and they they vote according to clan structures this vote this block vote is is predominantly labor huge dispor- disproportionate number of of them are registered for postal voting And postal vote fraud is very, very real in these communities. I've
0: got the stats, right? So Oldham is made up, 77.5% is white people. Um, People of Pakistani heritage, 10.1%. And then 7.3% Bangladeshi. So Pakistani and Bangladeshi are the largest minorities. And you've just kind of been doing it, but I don't understand why... I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that historically in Oldham,
7: white people have voted Labour too. The historical, I mean, white people in the main, working class white people in the main, in a, working, in a town such as ours, vote Labour, have historically yeah. voted Labour. Absolutely, yes. So why would, so
0: if white people make up 77.5% of those in Oldham and they are more likely to vote Labour than anyone else, why... That definitely pokes a little bit of a hole in your theory that Labour want to keep the council and by keeping the council they they have a better chance of keeping the council if they turn a blind eye to grooming gangs and they don't put the noses of the Asian community out of joint. They're still minorities. You've still got 77%.
7: There are are 20 wards in Oldham, okay? 20. There are 20 wards in Oldham, three councillors per ward. Each of the wards has a seven of the seven of these wards are predominantly asian so the asian co- community is not spread equally across the town in which uh, the the government has historically confirmed oldham as one of the, as the most segregated town in the country so that again that's an official statistic and the asian communities are, co- are concentrated in six or seven of the wards so they need all, those
0: they, they need those yeah. wards first they, of all, they need yeah. those councillors yeah
7: the se- second thing i'd raise on that is in the last general election in 2019, uh, the other Oldham MP, the Oldham, MP uh, Oldham East and Saddleworth, it's called. And I, I evidence all of this, Richie, and I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm sure your your listeners can, can work this through with me. She stood for, you know, she was the official Labour Party candidate and her opposition was a conservative local lad called Tom Lord. Tom is a barrister by profession, Debbie Abraham's Uh was the sitting Labour Party MP. She lost, you know, in terms of wards, when you split it up by polling booths, yeah, wards, yeah, she lost in all but two of the wards across her entire constituency. But in the two wards where she won, there were the two heavy Asian wards, and they turned out and voted in the masses for her. So the Asian bloc vote, not just in Oldham, but in other towns and cities, is a powerful weapon.
0: It's very hard. I'm not naive, and I've covered grooming scandals in the past, and um, going way back, you know, to the to the beginning of this program and other programs. But it's so, like you said, this this is this is gangster novel, gangster movie stuff. It's it's it's. I mean, to think, Richie, when
7: I was arrested, can I finish the no, thought just before just arrest. before you say,
0: yeah. you can, can finish the thought? But to think that they would turn a blind eye and as far as you're concerned they would go one further they would actually be complicit in the cover up of the most heinous crime that you can imagine the abuse of of children children with problems you know children that have come from difficult homes that have got they've never had a bit of luck in their lives like and that they would not only turn a blind eye but be complicit in it just to preserve their hold over the
7: council it's hard, you know, to, to, to compute that. These are that. mobster towns. These are mobster towns. I come to my town, come and speak to people in my town and listen to what they've got to say. I, uh, Richie, if I hadn't experienced this firsthand, I would find it hard, impossible to believe, Richard, I'm a product of the system. I've spent my la- career working in the system, believing in law, believing in democracy, the rule of law. But, you know, there's a differentiation between the police and the judiciary and the media. Since we 25 years
0: you've been doing it. What I can't get my head around is I'm sorry to cut across you. We have plenty of more time. We've got another 15, 20 minutes to chat about this and where you go from here. Because the important thing to remember is they're saying... Um, right, there were failings and there have to be improvements, but there was no cover-up. You're saying none of that report matters. This will still go on. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But I can't believe, uh, Raja, that there isn't a single imam. I like to believe that in the organised religions, there are, lo- th- there are good men and women. I can't believe that not a single imam would stand up and say, holy God, this is actually going on. We've got to do something to stop this.
7: I agree with you. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I I completely agree with you. And when I've looked at this and I've I have i I've gone through it myself, Rich, in trying to understand what is going on. I've gone and spoken with people who are in and around this area. And one of the reasons and we 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 live in a society where we can't make reference to race or religion as a factor. In trying to understand some of these issues because we're immediately jumped on as racist and far-right. They, I, they've I, I, been calling on. me racist and far-right I know for they the last are.
0: four years. I was going to come to it. I was going to ask you, are you some sort of shill for the far-right movement in the UK? I I, 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 I would ask you that by way of doing my job. I'll, I'll let you answer that in a moment, of course. I'm not saying I believe you are. I, I will ask you that in a moment. But go back to this thing, you know, th- th- You said a second ago, you said we're in this society now where people are terrified of bringing race into something, even if it is a factor. Well, I would argue with you, because of recent cases, I would argue that's changed now. I've I've had open discussions on this programme with people where I've said to them, you know, Muslims, British Muslims have had on this programme and I've said to them, hey, listen, you've got a problem with some young Pakistani men, don't you, in terms of how they see... Women, this is a cultural problem. A, a minority, I, I I, would guess. You might think differently. You might tell me in a moment. I think you can have that discussion now. I think people are having that discussion about the culture of some young Pakistani men. So I would argue that you can have that discussion today as a result of what's happened in Rochdale and Rotherham.
7: Go ahead. Yes, you, you can have that discussion within our communities and we are having that discussion within our communities. The issue of this... The, the the challenge we have isn't the discussions within the Asian communities, Richard, the challenge is the discussions, these discussions, amongst what I refer to as the metropoli- metropolitan elite, those who run our councils, those who run our institutions, they are still, you know, unwilling to have these conversations and facilitate these conversations. Why then? You tell me. Now, you're
0: Bangladeshi. So anybody who's listening to this, excuse me for saying it like that. though when you're Bangladeshi. That's your heritage, of course. There will be some Pakistani men, no doubt listening to this now. They say, Richie, he's the wrong guy to ask. But I don't have anybody else here. And if there is a Pakistani lady or gentleman listening to this programme who'd like to come on and talk to me about this, please do. Go to richieallen.co.uk and contact me. You're welcome. It's an open forum. This Everybody gets their say. Why, in your opinion, Is there an issue with some young Pakistani men? Why has this grown up, blown up in the last few years, in your opinion?
7: Well, first of all, I'd say it's not just Pakistani men. I'd also say, you know, there's clear evidence of it being predominantly Pakistani, occasionally Bangladeshi and almost exclusively Muslim. And when I've looked at this issue specific to the grooming gangs, Richie, specific to the grooming gangs, what is clear is the contempt that the authorities have towards white working class girls for reasons of, you know, of their class, well, people from my background, and I say this, Richard, specifically my background, so, uh, you know, too many people from my background look, have the same contempt or more so for these white girls and think, think of them less. They, they they see them as trust. And when you speak to the victims, Richard, this is backed up by the victims. The victims, the children who have been groomed and gang raped, consistently talk of how these men... Thought that they were less than human, less than human, and this is culturally based. It's religiously based, and it doesn't matter that it does. That doesn't mean it's a cultural factor or it's a religious factor. But these men believe it to be so. This is Richard. not this is not what at all. Now,
0: but um, we remember that Tim Fortescue, who was the chief whip for Edward Heath back in the early seventies, Fortescue told the BBC that it was common enough for an MP to come to the whips in the 70s to get them off of an investigation. So you had MPs who were buggering young boys. Yeah. So 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 it's not what about you, but it seems that there's a societal... It seems that wherever you look, whether it's the clergy, whether it's the, the clergy in Ireland, the Catholics in, in, in Boston, whether it's young Pakistani men who think that white girls are fair game, whether it's politicians, it it's everywhere pedophilia. Everywhere. Do you know what I've had guys, not recently now, I've had some of the paedophile hunters come on my programme. Would you believe this, Raja? And they've said to me, Richie, we'd love you to come along some night. Not on one of the hunts where they catch somebody, but in the in the sting operations where they go online and they pretend to be young girls. Yeah. They said it takes seconds. Seconds and you've got men coming out of the woodwork online to try and groom these girls. And these men are, a lot of them are white, middle-aged men. It's everywhere then, isn't it?
7: It, it, it is everywhere. The, what I would say different to here is the motives, Richie. And and we no one is doing the work on this, Richie, because we're too scared to touch it. So I've been trying, you know, I've been using what skills I have and, and the networks I have to try and understand it. Interestingly, and what I found interestingly, I don't think that's the right word, Richard, but I found it interesting. No, no, I understand. That the the motives of many of these members of the grooming gangs was not paedophilia. It wasn't to rape children. It was to access white girls, white women, and these were the white women they could access. It's difficult to accept, Richard, but that's 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 where it's coming from. It's like, you are beneath us, you are less than us. I have... I'm unhappy. I'm sexually unfulfilled at home, and these are conversations I've had, Richard. So I'm not making this up from you know, no, you know, I've, I've married my cousin when I was seventeen or eighteen, and these are the norms. These are my friends and family who be you know who, who have marriages. these life circumstances and i have been raised this way. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not being in any way disparaging towards the Pakistanis or no, no. Can else. I can, I, can is, I jump you know,
0: can I jump on that yeah. because I'm interested because this is educational for me. I don't know anything about this. You think then that it might be it might be a problem the fact that arranged marriages mean that young men in in some Muslim families, maybe a lot of Muslim families, I don't know, but they didn't get to do what I got to do. I got to go out there yeah, when I was a kid I got to, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
7: and find, and find absolutely. a girl for myself, basically. This is a problem, you reckon? Well, there's, there's some of that, Ricky. Right, yeah. There's definitely some of that. And, and some of it is also is that they don't see these children as children because culturally... Rich, in some of the places uh, where I culturally come from, or some of my Pakistani friends culturally come from, 13, 14-year-olds are considered grown women. You know, culturally, we're not, you know, they don't see them as children. Yeah, well, the, you know. This isn't paedophilia in the traditional sense of, an attra- you know, an attraction to children. I get you.
0: Uh, you know, until very recently, the age of consent in Spain, a major European country, was 13. In, yeah. in fact, when, when when I lived in Spain, when, when my better half and myself lived in Spain, I was astonished to learn that the age of consent was 13. I just couldn't get my head around it. And my head spun for a week. I'm like, 13-year-old girl is not sexually mature. She's not emotionally mature. Uh, who, who could want to have sex with a 13-year-old girl? But they changed it. So again, it's not exclusive. Again, I'm not just being... An arsehole here, you know, trying to wind You're you up. Not, no, no, it's no, not exclusive to absolutely. Pakistani. The, the elements of these things are popping up everywhere, and 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 I, I understand because of where you come from, because of your background, and because you believe it's not being spoken about. I mean, this this does bother me. Why the learned people in Muslim areas, the imams, why they wouldn't be speaking about this from? from uh, from the pulpit or from the altar, forgive me for using these terms, that they wouldn't be saying, listen, we've got a problem here. We need to talk about this.
3: We,
7: we're traditionally conservative communities. You know, I've never had a conversation about sex with my mother ever. Never would I, you know, right, right. We're, or would any of my parents. It's just not done. We're traditionally conservative in the house. We're traditionally conservative in the community. And, and the mosque is just ramped up 10 times more than that, Richie. So
0: so it's 10 times worse in, in the mosques. It?
7: Yeah, we were traditionally conservative. These things are not what we talk about.
0: Even though these scandals Even emerged, though we need
7: to talk about them, yeah. these things are not what we talk about. Culturally, these things are not what we talk about.
0: And race relations in this country, do you think they'd be dramatically improved if the leaders of um, Islam in the UK were to say, look, we've got a problem here, we've got to talk about this?
7: i think, oh, of course and we've got to do more i was speaking to friends of mine uh, uh, yesterday and i said uh, and we we talked about you know the building of a mosque somewhere and i said no you know we, we we're building silos as a community and again this is this is backed up by the statistics we're not becoming a multi you know we're not becoming an integrated society we're becoming a parallel society and we're carving our, out our own elk- enclaves all across the country you know and that's that's the uk uh, approach to multiculturalism it isn't it isn't this melting pot it's the carving out of of essentially ghettos across you know across towns and cities and we've got it wrong richie we've got it wrong and it's going to come back and bite us now you know
0: who you're talking to so what what about my belief and it's just my belief that um historically w- immigration has been used as a weapon by powerful groups and entities to, to maintain their power by basically having us at each other's throats, that by us I mean white, baldy Irish guys like myself, Bangladeshi, um, second, first, second gener- third generation like yourself, Pakistanis, um, you know, while we get bogged down in identity politics and race wars, they go about turning the planet into
7: one big massive prison. Do you think I'm crazy? No, I, why would I think you're crazy? I, I I always look at this through a class prism. You know, I I learned, you know, it's a it's a it's a class issue. I think essentially a lot of these issues, white work, you know, the the issue with these girls, the white working class girls who were groomed and gang raped, now admitted, Richie, yeah, is that they were the most trusting in terms of integration. They were willing because the way the get grooming gangs operate is that they use young Asian men to recruit these girls as, as, as girlfriends and so on, and, and then groom them before selling them on. They were willing, they thought they were the girlfriends of these guys. They were the most integrated, you know? These right. working-class kids were the most integrated. The working-class communities were actu- are actually where you find the least racism in this country. Not the most, it's the least racism.
0: I like to believe that. Look, I'm, I'm a white working-class boy, now, I'd have said things over the years in jest. You know, I would have said, I would have said jokes. I would have made stereotypical comments about people who come from other parts of the world. But I think that was out of childishness, silliness, or ignorance. It was never out of any real Malice. desire to no. harm. No, no, to harm anybody. No. You know, we we do poke fun at each other's idiosyncrasies and our our differences we we've always done that as human beings i think rowan atkinson has come out and said something like you know every joke has a victim we 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 have to accept that people make jokes you know i i i was very woke long before the term woke was ever invented when i was um you know hanging around with the socialist workers party 25 years ago i was very woke i would have been saying that bernard manning uh, god rest him was the devil you know that he was a horrible hateful racist bastard but but he wasn't. Um, when I listen back to some of his stuff, I mean, it was very, it was very, you know, kind of edge of the line, right up to the edge of the line. But none of it was designed to dehumanise the the butt of the jokes. It was about, I think, it was about coming to terms with the madness of the changes that happen in the country. He was trying to make sense of what was going. What on. What was going it. on? Exactly. Yeah, and and what they would do that through humour, and they would. Tell jokes, and the butt of the joke was the paddy, um, but you know, largely the black gentleman or woman or, or the Asian gentleman or woman. But it, it's far more complicated than just saying racism. I totally agree with you. And, 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 and I would apply that same logic to looking at young Pakistani men. I bet a lot of young Pakistani men are horrified by the things they're hearing. Now, the you might
7: Pakistani, say, is this Pakistani men why I'm able to speak to you today. Yeah. Pakistani men kept me out of prison by giving me that video. You know, that's where that video came from. And the thing- Pakistani men gave me that video of the car being blown up. And it's important to, to mention
0: that because something else which is very unhelpful and I, I really don't like it, which is this idea that people should speak up. I remember when the Manchester Arena bombing happened. I was living in Fallowfield at the time. In fact, I was living three streets away from where this guy, um, Abedi, was supposed to have lived that's a crazy story, that. But that's Salman another, Abedi, yeah. Salman yeah. Abedi, yeah, whose father worked for MI six, by the way, Ramadan. But we won't get into those conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah, you know, it's all yeah. very convenient. But, but, but I remember at the time people demanding that law-abiding Asian British Asians that they should for for some reason they should go online and condemn it. I find that very dangerous and disturbing. You know, this idea that. Uh, you know, law-abiding British I'm, Muslims. I'm not
7: responsible for the actions absolutely.
0: of others, absolutely, Absolutely. It was the same in the 70s. Irish people were encouraged here to make some public condemnation of terrorism. You know, and, and, and I, I was glad to read that a lot of Irish people over here refused to do that. You know, I don't have to stand up and condemn the IRA blowing, blowing up a pub in Guildford. I'm a nice guy. I live and work here. My neighbours know that I wouldn't support something like that. Therefore, yeah. I shouldn't have to condemn it. I think that's a dangerous thing as well. We're hearing a lot of that lately. Silence is violence. Speak out in favour of this and that. No, well, no, no. no,
7: no. So, so the uh, the issue I have isn't you, the likes of you and I not speaking, our ordinary people. It's our leaders. Yeah. It's, uh, we, uh, we elect leaders or people like the imams. They have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to educate. And it's not to speak out towards the external community. It's to educate the internal community. Because that's where the differences they can make. The rest of it is just gesture politics. You know, me speaking out, what difference does it make? You know, will it stop the next person coming along or the next victim? No, it won't. What our leaders need to do from within our own communities is to address this cultural issue we've got.
0: I want to just do a very quick um, reminder. We we we'll do another five or six minutes, Raja, because we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to yeah, talk about. Yeah, there's
7: one thing I'd like to get through, Richard, no to problem. demonstrate, to clearly evidence why it's politically motivated. But we'll we'll you know if, if you, if you I give I will. Me of the course, we'll do that in do that. a moment.
0: Yeah. Raja Mia, MBE, is on the programme. He's um, briefed the government in the past and and Home Secretary, successive Prime Ministers on counter extremism. He's worked for Oldham Council and has um, headed up some educational trusts as well. Now he wrote a series of articles on a blog on a website called recusant 9 dot com, and we met on Twitter a couple of years ago. He claims, and he still does to this day and he's provided evidence to support his claim, that senior officials in the Labour Party in Oldham, uh, in the Labour Control Council, colluded to cover up child grooming by Asian gangs in order to protect the Asian bloc vote and to protect the party's control of Oldham and he, he maintains that to this day. We followed up today because a report has emerged, it's been published, Um, two senior figures, they claim it's an independent report. They said yes, Oldham Council failed to protect some children from grooming and sexual exploitation. They talked about Sophie and how badly um her case was handled. She came and reported child abuse, she was ignored, and then she was raped by five men shortly afterwards. But they said it's not widespread in Oldham, the abuse, and they said There's no evidence of a cover-up. Raja, uh, Mia, who you've been listening to for the last 46, 47 minutes, he's eloquently explained why he thinks that is nonsense, why it is widespread, the abuse, and why it is being covered up by the authorities. There was that strange little, um, I'm going to play that soundbite again, by the BBC reporter today from Oldham because it's definitely worth hearing again.
3: But the report says that the authorities, the police and local authority, seem more concerned about covering up their previous failings than addressing what happened to her. Which
0: is a cover-up. How could the two guys say there was no cover-up and the BBC guy says they were more concerned about covering it up than actually doing something, it's a strange one. You wanted to talk, um, before we finish up, about why you remain convinced that ignoring this problem and colluding in cover-ups is for political
7: reasons. Go ahead. Two two case studies. Let me give you two case studies. One uh, in terms of political reasons. Since we last spoke, I released information regarding a councillor. It was a Lib Dem councillor. His name was Rod Blythe. White guy, Rod Blythe. Rod Blythe was convicted for child sex exploitation offences. Proven. Convicted. Rod for and that conviction was covered up by the mainstream media who would have known about it and did not report it because he was convicted in a court. It was covered up by Greater Manchester Police, who did not issue a single statement that a senior Oldham councillor who had access to children for the best part of 20 years was had been convicted, and that's why he stepped down as a serving councillor. And it was covered up by the council because the borough chief executive and also the borough, the, the borough solicitor would have been informed in a similar way to how Shabir Ahmed the ringleader of the Rochdale Grooming Gang. He worked for the council for 18 years, confirmed he was a member of the Labour Party. He worked for the council for 18 years, Shabir Ahmed, and the council knew of the allegations against him and closed files on him instead of investigating him or sacking him or suspending him. Confirmed, in, by Ridgway Newsom, The headline, uh, the spin that they're trying to give, Richie, is different from the reality of the contents of the report or large bits of the contents of the report. It confirmed that the council knew Shabir Ahmed, member of the Labour Party, was messing about, you know, it was abusing children. Or accused of it.
0: You see, she might say, we knew there were allegations, but they would say, and I know Sean Fielding and others would, would say, that allegations are one thing, but criminal convictions are another. I've got to reinforce that point, Raj. You'll understand that. Like, I, 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 I'm with you. I would be all over that like a rash also. But we've got to leave room for a little bit of doubt as well, to be fair to everybody involved. They might say, well, people get accused of all sorts of things in politics. The guy hadn't been convicted of anything. So as far as we were concerned, so it was once Chinese he became whispers. Co-
7: once he was arrested, Richie, once he was arrested... The council then decided, and it's in this report, that no one knew about him. Right. They didn't investigate him because no one knew about him. The man had worked for the council for 18 years. His picture was plastered over every national newspaper, Richie. You know, today, if somebody, if you worked in
0: politics today or in in public life, and somebody was to accuse you, I don't know, of... You know, inappropriately touching somebody fifteen years ago at a disco. you know it might have been a girl your age, you might not have done it. maybe you did, maybe you were pissed right up. It doesn't matter you're, you're finished, really yeah you, you, you know that's, you're done, and you're forever labeled and uh, and that's the end of that so 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 well, again, well
7: they did that, Richie, they did that to me. when they arrested me, richie this is a, is this this is the complicity of what's taking place in, the, in my time. When they arrested me, the local newspaper ran a headline fabricated a headline richie i picked my daughter up from school richie they fabricated a headline that had been arrested for child sex exploitation i remember i'm not even making any of this up richie that's what they did yeah. so this is you know this is the this is the level the higher you know at the highest level in this town there is a move to not just silence me but silence all of us who are speaking out on this issue and just the last one just to clearly demonstrate the cover up Front page of The Guardian, Richie, yeah? Serious failings left children exposed to abuse in olden Finds damning review. Reports single out failings by police and council and suggests senior of- officials may have list- misled MPs. Now, you talked about Sophie's case. It's on my web page. It's the yeah, Sam right, story. Yeah. Let me very quickly fill you in on this bit about senior officials may have list- misled MPs. There's something called the Home Affairs Select Committee. I'm sure you're familiar with it. At the time, there was a man called Keith Faz, who was later found for his own uh, issues, yeah? But he was uh, in charge of the Home Affairs Select Committee. He wrote to the leader of Oldham Council. So he either wrote to Charlie Parker, who was the chief executive, or uh, Jim McMahon, who was the leader of the council directly. If he wrote to Charlie Parker, there's nowhere Charlie Parker had the authority to write back to the... chairman of the home affairs select committee you know the most powerful sort of cross-cutting committee in government and they wrote back and the report fudges who saw it who saw the letter and who wrote back it fudges that but it confirms they wrote back misleading the home affairs committee as to what had gone on and if you're misleading somebody you're you're lying you're, to them. you're, you're lying, lying, covering you're up. covering something up yeah and and that's a matter of fact. What I'm trying to work out, and it'll come out, Richie, yeah, I know, I've been at this for three years, I have a set of skills, and it'll come out. Who did Keith Vaz write that letter to? It was either Charlie Parker, who was the chief executive at the time. I don't believe Charlie Parker did anything wrong. He would have passed it on. I, I've worked in those circles. When, when, the, when, when someone like Keith Vaz, the Home Affairs Chairman, writes to you, you pass it on to the leader of the council. He's involved or she's involved in sculpting that response and they've blamed it on some junior assistant who, who wrote something and sent it back. You think not a chance in hell, Richard. You think they've thrown somebody under the bus? Yeah, no, not a chance in finally,
0: hell. Finally, for today then, you said that it's going to come out. I, I, I'm not here to, to deflate your balloon or burst your bubble, but without the interest of the press and the
7: broadcast media in this country, it's going to be bloody hard, isn't it? Richie, so far we have defeated, ousted two council leaders. This is a northern working class town. We're decent people, we're honorable people, and we, you know, we're not going to put up with this. White, black, Asian, this is a cross community alliance here, Richie. They'd like to make it out that it's some sort of far right and I'm fronting it, but it's not. This is a cross community alliance. Every one of us is outraged. Every one of us. Has lived experience of what is taking place in this town, and when you know if there's a there's a series of elections coming up, Amanda Chadderton, the new leader of the council, will oust her. Come the general elections, will will oust the MPs. This is this is you know we don't need the media, Richie. We are capable of standing up for ourselves, and this is where it's gone wrong in in Rotherham. This is where it's gone wrong in Telford. The bandwagon comes in and it leaves and that's the end of yeah, it yeah, this yeah. was a community led campaign richie from the outset we forced this inquiry we forced them today to admit to what they'd done they are disagreeing with what their motives were if the motives weren't to cover it up what were the motives of failing children richie folks go
0: to um the, the online blog you'll find Raja Mia on Twitter as well. I can't tweet you because I'm not on Twitter anymore. It's recusant r e c u s a n t and then hyphen or dash recusant hyphen n i n e dot com. It's a really well kept website and everything that Raja has alluded to today in terms of documents and videos. It's all it's all on there. We'll definitely pick it up again when there's news, Raja, because um, well it's about one of the biggest stories really. That anybody could cover in any, you know, journalistic lifetime in any capacity, it's just a massive story that it could be going on and that it might still go
7: on. So thanks for coming on. I'll and do... I'm always grateful, Richie. You're, you know, you're the only media person I speak to. You know, yeah. And I'm I'm grateful when I first spoke to you, and I'm grateful now. Well, Thank you're, you. are you.
0: very kind. I'll do what I did last time. I'll take the podcast of this and I'll put it in an e- an email to everybody on on Oldham Council, and see, does anybody come back? I don't think they will, but I'll do it anyway. Just so that they can't say that they weren't uh, contacted. Raja, Godspeed to you. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. Grateful. Thank A- you. Take care. A- and bye for now. Raja Mia, MBE. Live on uh, Monday's Richie Allen show. Some story that. Isn't it? Imagine. Covering up the rape and sexual exploitation of children. The claim is and um, They still deny it, of course, and uh, they're, they're entitled to their defence, aren't they? They're entitled to have their say. They say that, no, that hasn't gone on, that they haven't covered it up in order to protect Labour's control of Oldham, of the local authority there. Rajamia, it's recusing, R-E-C-U-S-A-N-T hyphen nine dot com. The time is exactly 17 and a half minutes to the top of the hour.
5: The views and opinions expressed on The Richie Allen Show are those of the guests and the guests alone. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the host or other contributors.
0: Right, your comments next then, after this from Vanessa Carlton, is it? I can't remember. I can't see the player from here. Back in three.
3: If I can just hold you tonight.
0: Vanessa Carton a thousand miles on Monday's Richie Allen show 13 and a half to the top of the hour. BBG towers I'm ensconced in the towers lovely to see the youngsters running around in the sun and to see a few of those inflatable pool things be careful I've, um, I've only mentioned it once or twice over the years but I've got a fairly hefty dose of obsessive compulsive disorder OCD. If she was here she be like, yep, yeah, mm, mm, yep. Yeah. And um, I am filled with dread sometimes for no good reason. So I see these inflatable pools and I'm delighted. And then I start to get very nervous for no reason. So I say, be careful. If you've got an inflatable pool with water and there's more than three or four inches of water in it, be careful with the babbies. Don't be that horrible story in the Daily Mail. Don't be. But yeah, lovely. Lovely stuff, you know. It's far from Beverly Hills we are, with our inflatable (laughs) pools. You see see these mansions, photographed by helicopters, but these days, increasingly photographed by drones. These houses they live in, the rich and the filthy. Or the filthy rich. and We live in Salford, and we have our little gardens. (laughs) And we have room for an inflatable pool. Be Jesus. Somebody said somewhere today that Piers Corbyn, now they didn't mention Piers, Cor- Piers Corbyn, but uh, Piers Corbyn did predict earlier this year that we would have a significant heatwave this summer of 2022, 2022. Why is that, you know, relevant or significant? Well, because he predicted the last one. Nobody else did. And I love to give credit where credit is due He was talking back, was it 2018 we had the last heatwave? Proper heatwave. We had several weeks of scorchio temperatures. And he had said earlier in the year that his observations of activity on that great big ball of fire in the sky, he said were likely to have an exceptionally warm summer. And he was bang on the money. And I believe he's predicted such an event this year as well. I'm dreading it, you see. And I'm thinking about getting some extra aircon for, uh, for for the house, for the living room. Because our houses in our neighbourhood, they're very, very old and they keep the heat. They trap the heat really well. Which means it's never really, really cold in the winter at all. But in the summer, it's hard to let the heat out of the house, if you understand. So I'm thinking. And then I'm thinking I can't because electricity bills have gone through the roof. But I can't bear the thoughts of a heat wave. I can't. No. Okay, thanks for your many, many, many comments. Steve says Rochdale, Oxford, Telford, Rotherham, Burnley, Oldham, Newcastle, Keighley Aylesbury, Bristol, etc. If the Muslims, he says, have caused this much devastation to up to as many as a million vulnerable English girls, where are you getting that number from? A million? When they're at 5% of the population, imagine what it would be like when they are 10 or 15%, says Steve. Steve, I don't think I don't think that's right. He says, don't forget the English are projected to become a minority by 2066 or sooner. Yes, I saw those projections. That's a good point. But again, and I don't attempt to score points with anybody. I don't care who I offend. I never have done. The great, great, great majority of British Muslims, while they're not screaming from the rooftops that this is wrong which we discussed a few minutes ago, they're also not likely to think that it is acceptable. That is my belief. And until it's proven otherwise, it's my belief. I've met many a Muslim gentleman and lady on my travels in this country and elsewhere. They don't think this is a good idea. There's a problem. I think it's amongst the minority of young Pakistani men. There's a cultural issue it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with by their elders, by their parents, by their brothers and sisters, and by the police, absolutely, 100%. And nobody should be reticent to get involved lest they be accused of being insensitive to a minority community. It doesn't matter what they look like if they're raping children. Get them in. Get them off the streets. Charge them and get a conviction against them, you know? Okay. Wayne says the effects of lockdown and isolation on children, adults' mental and physical health, the economy, were all known about decades ago, he says. "Well, Common sense, yes. I'm sure many a doctor um, he, he links to a paper from Dr Dhruv Kullar, published in 2016. They knew what lockdowns would, would, would mean for children. You're right, Wayne, but common sense. I don't think you need to be a an academic or a scientist to understand that keeping children from playing with other children, keeping them indoors all the time, and telling them that they have to be careful and not kill granny was bound to have. A terrible impact on their mental well-being. Craig has posted a link to the age of consent around the world. Thank you, Craig. I was genuinely shocked in Spain. To learn it was 13. It has since changed. Tony says it isn't an obligation to speak out. Correct, but no one should be obliged or forced. But we do need to communicate with our brothers and sisters. All of humanity, he says. Thanks to Richard Kelly. Martin, who's in Spain, as I mentioned earlier, says the Spanish girls here are wearing the tightest tiny shorts and little sports bra tops or little bra tops. Uh, they're only six years of, of age and, 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 and a little older. And they are wearing very revealing clothes, as Martin. That's, they're, they are the food of paedophiles, he says. I think you're saying, Martin, that they are using, that they are bait. But see, the children don't know any better. We can't blame the children. I don't understand what possesses parents to allow children go out in certain clobber as we call clothing here. I don't understand it. I've seen children. I mentioned on this programme some years ago I was absolutely horrified to see a child in a supermarket. I was with herself. We were in a supermarket. It had to be summertime. And it was a child walking ahead of us with her parents. She couldn't have been more than seven or eight years of age. And she looked like a hooker. Um, I'm like what the fuck like where? where's the um, where's the parenting there you're not going out in that Well, the, presumably they had to buy it for her Tony says I lived in Bradford for over 10 years we've all got to come together he's right too many ghettos and a lack of love for one another hiding behind the virtue signaling fear John says Alfred Kinsey didn't believe in any age of consent as much as five-month-old infants to trial them on orgasms. Is that right? I've read some of this stuff before, but not for a long time. I can't read it, to be honest. It's horrifying, isn't it? It's about the worst stuff there is, really, isn't it? Dave says these cultures come from very close-knit families. They don't really understand why young girls are not protected by their own families. And they see them as fair games, says Dave. Yeah, that's an interesting comment, Dave. We've heard that many a time on this programme as well. Paul says, I've long suspected that these grooming gangs have been largely ignored by authorities because they're foot soldiers in a bigger thing, procurers of the vulnerable for the sorts of elites that have been linked to care homes in places like Dolphin Square, Elm House, and the care homes of North Wales. That's Paul's contention. Thank you, Paul. Joan says, thanks to Roger for what he's been doing. We all know this has been going on for years. Nothing has ever been done because it's covered up, she says. It's stomach churning what's happening to those children. It's it's awful, Joan. It's awful when you think that you're looking at girls who... How difficult must it be for a child coming out of a broken family situation where there might be abuse in the home, physical or otherwise? And... You're dealing with all of that, and all of a sudden then you find yourself surrounded by people who want to exploit you sexually. And this is happening to you while you're in the care of the state, you know. Jesus. Okay. That's about it for the programme today. Thank you to Raja again. Let me give you the website address for him. It's recusant, e c u s a n t dash or hyphen N-I-N-E dot com I will put a link to it on the podcast notes, podomatic.com, recusant-nine.com. That has been Monday's Richie Allen Show. Thank you for uh, listening. Uh, Look after yourselves and one another. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll do it again tomorrow at five o'clock as usual. Until then, it's bye from your BBG. (laughs)